You are now listening to Music Legends with your host, Chili Will. This is a spoiler alert. If you haven't already listened to the first episode on Michael Jackson, you're going to want to go and listen to that. Don't worry, don't worry, I'll be here, I'll wait for you. Two thousand years later. Let's see, where did we leave off? Oh yeah, that's right. What was it that began to control Michael's life? Well, we'll get into that just a little bit later. For now, let's go back to when the A-team of musicians was done creating Thriller. When they were done creating Michael's best-selling album, they set even bigger goals for the music videos. The video for Thriller was basically a short movie, with a beginning, middle, and end, rather than just a music video. It was one of the longest and most expensive music videos of all time. Michael and his team tried their absolute hardest to make it what it is today, and that video won their everlasting war with MTV. With Michael's solo record sales blowing through the roof and way into outer space, Michael had some money, and he was spending it, but he was spending it on the right things. Yeah, he got some expensive clothes, and he got a house, but this wasn't just any old house. It was a theme park. Seriously. Michael moved into an approximately 3,000 acre property, maintained by an entire staff, who kept up with the zoo, the ferris wheel, and several other rides. Michael named the property Neverland after the fantasy island in the story of Peter Pan, a story about a boy who never grows up, or in the case of Michael Jackson, a boy who grew up just a little bit too fast. Here he was a grown man at the peak of his success, living in a theme park. In many ways it was a child's dream world, but it was Michael's dream too. I mean, he even had a pet chimpanzee named Bubbles. But the real-life Peter Pan did a good deed when he bought this house theme park extravaganza. He wasn't just fulfilling his childhood fantasies, but so many other children's. He would open Neverland's door exclusively to underprivileged children, hoping to give them warm memories to hold on to for the rest of their lives. And he achieved that and so much more. And that was all because of his deep compassion for our children. Are we blind to the fact that our children are raging against the indifference, crying out against the abandonment, of thundering against the neglect. Heal the Kids is about doing something about making a difference in trying to help adults and parents realize that it is our power to change the world that our children live in. Throughout the rest of his life, he was a huge supporter of charities and even created some of his own. Although there's no doubt it takes a responsible adult to run a charity, Deep down, Michael was still a vulnerable and rebellious child on the inside. I thought I told you to turn that thing off! It is too late and it's too loud! But Dad, this is the best part! Michael had started spending so much time with children that he began to want his own. 
But first, he needed to find a lady. It was around this time that something really interesting happened to Michael. Something shocking, and something that would ultimately help cause his demise. Find out what happened to Michael right after this short break. When it comes to music legends, there's a lot of research and preparation that goes into it. But thanks to Google, Wikipedia, and so many other journal and biography websites, I can make music legends happen. But how did we find out information before the time of Google and Wikipedia? Well, I'll tell you what, it was a lot harder, that's for sure. Enter the world of 1980s Chicago and Rebecca Beale, the info pro who digs deep into a mystery of a missing star athlete. Humans are curious animals. When we find a good riddle, our minds race to find answers. We all love a good story, but what we all want the most is the truth. Pick up a copy of Running Away With It on Amazon for yourself and anyone else who wants to enjoy a good mystery in 2019. And who knows, maybe you'll even find the truth. For now, back to Music Legends. What happened to Michael that shook the world and started the scuffle of his public image? Well, there were several. However, what I believe kicked it all off started out as a beautifully busy day for Michael. He was about to film his second commercial for Pepsi. When the first commercial aired, Pepsi stock had soared. It seemed like as long as Michael was sponsoring Pepsi, Pepsi was the cool and young alternative to Coke. So Michael stepped on the stage. He'd grown so comfortable being on a stage throughout his life. But it's just when you become too comfortable that things start to go awry. At first, things seemed to be going as planned. Michael appeared at a short flight of steps at the back of the stage, and fireworks sparked behind him as he danced down the steps. However, they had to do this multiple times to pick out which one was the best take. Michael had done the entire procedure six times, but he was still at the top of his game, and still at the top of the steps when the explosion took place. Sparks landed all over his heavily gelled hair and caught fire. Through a combination of professionalism and possibly ignorance, Michael kept dancing until he reached the bottom of the steps when stagehands crowded all around him, desperately trying to put out the flames. He was rushed to the hospital, but the damage was done. Laying in his hospital bed, Michael decided to venture up and take a look in the mirror. Unfortunately, he didn't like what he saw. When he looked in the mirror, he was blinded by his father's words from so long ago. What the hell are you big-nosed idiots doing? His words repeated over and over in his mind. From that moment forward, Michael started to pursue his vision of physical perfection. His audience grew confused when his appearance changed so rapidly. Some people thought he was trying to look like his mentor, Diana Ross, and others thought that Michael Jackson and Latoya Jackson were actually the same person. Ultimately, Michael was an artist and a human being who began to treat his skin as almost a work of art. However, 
At this fragile time, it only made his fans more confused when a 13-year-old boy accused Michael of sexually abusing him while visiting Neverland. Michael settled the case out of court for a reported $20 million and insisted he was innocent. The scandal cost Jackson his contract with Pepsi and a film deal. People started to wonder about Michael's sexuality and mental fitness. However, Michael just kept on living. It was around this time that Michael got married to Lisa Marie Presley, whose father was one of the few men who could rival Michael's worldwide fame, Elvis Presley. When you're Michael Jackson, you can't really walk down the street and just marry anybody. He was in quite a sticky situation, but it was an interesting situation nonetheless. To this day, nobody really knows what happened between Lisa Marie Presley and Michael Jackson, why they got together, and why they decided to get a divorce after only a few months. Lisa hasn't spoke much about the marriage, but most people think that the two split because she didn't want children. Regardless, it was a bizarre time in both their lives. Yet Michael was still about to find himself in Baby City. A year later, it was announced that his dermatologist's assistant was pregnant with Michael's child. After his first divorce, she approached Michael and told him that she would be a surrogate mother and give him the children that he's always wanted. His dermatologist's assistant went on to have Michael's son and daughter. Soon after that, the two would get married. But unfortunately, that marriage was short-lived as well. Despite his two failed marriages, Michael wasn't quite out of Baby City just yet. Michael had one more son with a woman whose name still remains anonymous. However, two years later, that baby would be involved in one of the most controversial moments of Michael's life. Michael, his unknown girlfriend, and a longtime friend were sitting in a high-class hotel room talking about life, love, and family. The brisk Berlin air was flowing nicely through the room, but so was a constant stream of chatter from hundreds of reporters three stories down. They didn't want to leave. They didn't want to go anywhere. All they wanted to do was sit there and talk, away from the press for the rest of eternity. Michael's face was riddled with pain from surgery and burns. He tuned out the conversation and tuned in to the constant chatter. He shook a bottle of prescription pain pills in his hand and took a gulp of water with a few pills in his mouth. Like a gunshot in the dark night, his son's cry woke him from his tizzy. Michael walked over to his crib. Michael picked him up wrapped him in some blankets, and began to slowly rock his son until they both grew calm and sleepy. He looked outside at the sea of reporters and then looked at his son. He was so proud. And then... Suddenly, a thought flashed before his eyes, and he reacted. He reacted so eagerly that his feelings became more intense than his concern for his child. 
He held his baby out of the window three stories high, as if to show the reporters his pride and joy. Just as Michael began to realize how this would look, the damage had already been done. By the next morning, he was on every headline as the situation led to all sorts of speculation as to whether or not Michael was even fit to be a father. He ignored the tabloids because he knew his intentions were good, and he continued to make music with an album called Invincible. Although it got mixed reviews, it still made it to number one in 11 countries, including the US. But Michael's life as a musician was growing darker and darker until it was almost completely eclipsed by the never-ending gossip that encompassed his lifestyle. In 2003, he was accused of sexually abusing another boy, and this time, he was charged and taken to court. As he continued to profess his innocence, it seemed like Michael was handling the trial admirably. I would like to thank the fans around the world. Can you speak up, please? I would like to thank the fans around the world for your love and your support from every corner of the earth. My family has been very supportive. My brother Randy who has been incredible. I want to thank the community of Santa Maria. I, I want you to know that I, I love the community of Santa Maria very much. It's my community. I love the people. I will always love the people. My children were born in this community. My home is in this community. I will always love this community from the bottom of my heart. That's why I moved here. Thank you very much. On the inside, it was tearing him apart. The control he once had of his life was slipping away, and his mental and physical pain were all coming to the forefront. He wasn't sleeping, he was barely eating, and he was starting to literally look like a ghost. After going to court every day for two weeks straight, Michael sat in his limo and realized it was only the beginning with 12 more weeks to go. He reached in his pocket and grabbed a container of prescription pills and took three. But the constant noise that followed him everywhere wasn't stopping. It never did. Michael couldn't even tell whether the noise was real or in his head anymore until he slapped himself out of it and opened his car door to the hundreds of fans and reporters outside the courthouse. Michael's vision was blurry, but good enough to jump on the roof of his car and start dancing as his crowd cheered him on. That was Michael at his best, but throughout the rest of the trial, you could see his deterioration from him showing up in his pajamas to him not showing up at all. Then again, Michael was living in his worst nightmare. He was in uh, terrible discomfort during the entire trial proceedings. He's gonna go home, recuperate, rest and relax, and he'll be back on Monday, and he's looking forward to being here. And he went to the emergency room this morning and he was uh, given medications. So he'll be back on Monday, and we all thank you so very much. You take care. The day he turned up in his PJs, the headline was Banana in Pajamas. And that's just one example of how the public was treating him at that time. Less and less fans were showing up at the courthouse, but his family stuck with him no matter what. We support our brother wholeheartedly, and uh, um, we stand by, by his side, and there is, we're in the process of planning a trip with the whole family to, to visit him. 
A few months later, Michael was proven innocent of all charges. The trial that had ruined his life ironically proved not how guilty he was, but how innocent he was. If they say After that trial, Michael crawled into the comfort of his 3,000-acre home for years, rarely coming out into public. And when he did, he looked like his soul had been broken. He was still working on music, just on a much more subtle level. And he was still constantly battling the pain he felt. Now, more than ever. So much that his friends started taking notice. When I went into his bathroom, I saw lots and lots of pillboxes. Um, of various different medication. Um, in there, there was Demerol, there was Paxil, Zoloft. Demerol is a painkiller, and Paxil and Zoloft, they're antidepressants. When I saw these things in the bathroom, I wasn't thinking, oh, you know, he's, he's a drug addict or anything like that. I was thinking, maybe he's sick, and I wanted to know. But I, and I kept on asking him, what, what's happening? And he was like, no, everything's routine, you know, it's all okay. Michael wasn't lying. Everything was routine, almost too routine. Michael was taking some kind of drug every hour of the day. Rumors began to spread that Michael was having financial problems, and that's when he made his comeback and returned as the king of pop, but also when he returned to the constant noise that he wanted so badly to escape. London welcomes the king of pop, Mr. Michael Jackson. These will be my final show performances in London. This is it, and see you in July. While Michael was prepping for the shows, he was the happiest he'd been in a long time. Despite the toll his controversies had played, he was about to go out the way he wanted to on stage. And on top of that, he was about to make the millions and millions he desperately needed. It was a win-win. The concerts just kept selling and selling, and they were being held at stadiums that could fit hundreds of thousands of people. So Michael's promoters just kept adding more dates to his tour. But he only had a little bit of time to prepare, and he was 50 years old. Still, Michael insisted he was young enough to perform, and his kids were finally old enough to see him perform, which is what Michael wanted more than anything. But his kids never would see him perform. Fire paramedic 33, what is your address for emergency? Yes, sir, I need to, uh, uh, I need an ambulance as soon as possible, sir. Okay, sir, what's your address? It's 100 North Carrollwood Drive, Los Angeles, California, 90077. You said Carrollwood? Carrollwood Drive, yes. The paramedics were on their way, but whoever called 911 on that fatal day never actually said that the person who needed help was Michael Jackson. Uh, sir, I have a, we have a, a gentleman here that needs help, and he's not breathing yet. He's not breathing, and we need to, we're trying to pump him, but he's not, he's okay. not breathing, sir. Okay, how old is he? He's uh, 50 years old, sir. 50, okay. He's unconscious, he's not breathing? Yes, he's not breathing, sir. Okay, and he's not conscious either? He's not no, breathing. he's not conscious, sir. Okay. Alright, do you have him? Is he on the floor? Where's he at right now? 
He's on the bed, sir. He's on the bed. Okay, let's get him on the floor. Okay. Okay, let's get him down to the floor. I'm going to help you with CPR right now, okay? All the operator could do was try and walk the mystery caller through CPR. Okay. Okay, let's get him down to the floor. I'm going to help you with CPR right now, okay? We need him to get, we need a Yes, we're already on our way there. We're on our way. I'm going to do as much as I can to help you over the phone. We're already on our way. Did anybody see him? Yes, we have a personal doctor here with him, sir. Oh, you have a doctor there? But apparently there was a doctor already there. Unfortunately, it was the same doctor who had been prescribing drugs to Michael for decades. The same drugs that would end up killing him. On that fatal day, June 25th, 2009, Michael was pronounced dead. The only questions that linger in all of our minds are why did it take so long for them to call the paramedics? Or why did the doctor keep prescribing drugs he knew Michael was becoming addicted to? We may never know the answers to those questions. But what we do know is how much the King of Pop will be missed. After a small funeral, it's been reported that one billion people watched his public memorial service all around the world. Some say Michael Jackson was weird or strange. Some say he was a villain. Some say he was a criminal. One thing's for sure. People have said a lot of crazy things about Michael Jackson, but words can't really explain him. So many disgusting words were violently thrown at a man whose soul was already so vulnerable. Yet, there was something so exuberant, so genuine, something that radiated life in all of its extremes. Even when Michael Jackson sang something so cliche, he could just inject it with life. That was Michael Jackson's superpower, one of his countless natural gifts, and ultimately, one of the many things that makes him a music legend. He had enough life for a hundred lifetimes. But Michael Jackson isn't someone who comes around once in a century, or even once in a lifetime. He's someone who comes around only once. And we got to enjoy him. And we'll continue to enjoy him forever through the legendary music that he so generously left us all with. Thank you all so much for listening to Music Legends. If you haven't already, share it with some friends. And if you liked what you just heard, write me a good review on iTunes or wherever you listen. I know it seems like a simple little thing, but it really does mean the world to me. This episode was produced, edited, and recorded by me, Chili Willie. I also want to give a quick but big shout out to my friend and teacher, Chase Thompson, who helps a bunch as well. He's a complete badass when it comes to podcasting and pretty much anything else audio related. Thanks for everything. It's only the beginning. And for everyone else, what music legend do you want me to do next? Hit me on the email at musiclegendspodcast at gmail.com or the snail mail or a paper scroll sealed by wax. Whichever way you prefer to transfer words. This has been Music Legends with Chili Willie.